You're listening to a podcast from Newstalk ZB. Follow this and our wide range of podcasts now on iHeartRadio. Oh, g'day there, and welcome to the rewrap for Wednesday. All the best bits from the Mike Hosking breakfast on News Talk ZB in a sillier package. I am Glenn Hart, and today uh, we'll find out who John Lamont is and what exactly he's doing, if anything. Uh, it's Women's Day off in Iceland, uh, so congratulations to them. Uh, what is the cost of the end of the world, and uh, why? Uh, do car companies not advertise their EVs and advertise their naughty, naughty petrol cars instead? But before any of that, uh, this uh, coronial inquiry into the mosque shooting. Wow, this is only just happening now? As the coronial inquest into the mosque shooting gets underway, surely one of the ironies is the fact that something that it is hoped will provide answers needs to answer a couple of questions itself. I would have thought one. Why does it take so long to get an inquiry underway? And two, is something this far down the track from the event able to give the answers people want? Now, one of the stories, the reason I asked that is one of the stories yesterday suggested the great hope was this inquiry would lead to something like this never happening again. I'm not sure how that's possible. A mass shooting has not been part of New Zealand history. There is not really a pattern to be studied. I mean, the outworkings of an errant crazy man is not something that an inquiry can prevent, surely. It can potentially delve into some of the other issues, like emergency response. Uh, They're looking at specific things, like uh, an exit door at one of the mosques, whether it failed to function. Uh, Some people involved in this are looking for closure. Now, I hope that those who are looking for closure get it. But for that to happen, surely it must be based on the mere functionality of the inquiry, not the specifics and outworking, because an inquiry is not a miracle. It's a series of questions of probes, of recollections. I can't see how we're going to conclude mass catastrophic systemic failure, whereby a large series of recommendations put forward by this inquiry and the fabric of society is therefore changed as we implement them and go about our business in a completely different way. That's not going to happen. I mean, this was a tragic day as a result of a crazed man with a gun hell-bent on madness and destruction. I may be proved wrong, but the emergency response appeared astonishing to me. The bravery involved was extraordinary. The things we have done already, the gun amnesty and register, seem as political a response as they are practical. Uh, the Christchurch call that was set up has not stopped online hate. If an entire government and its contribution is limited to that, what's a coronial inquiry going to achieve? Call me cynical, but this seems as much procedural as anything else. I mean, four and a half years later, with findings not until at least five and a half years later, it's not what you would call urgent, is it? Yeah, certainly the timing seems to be a bit out. It's like waiting for the result of a general election, isn't it? Um, but yeah, I mean, if they can do something about it, somehow, anything, to try and stop anything like this or at least mitigate anything like this ever happening again, then give it a go. The rewrap. Speaking of the um, general election that we haven't got the result of yet and won't for another week and a half... Um, what, what, how do, what are all the people doing who uh, definitely won't have anything to do once the new government's in? Uh, people like uh, people involved in Three Waters, for example. Just look this guy up, John Lamont. So I'm reading about this yesterday. A couple of chief executives have already quit because they have seen the writing on the wall, but he's carrying on. He's in charge of the biggest one of, of, of these water services. Um, 
establishment chief executive, he and the Department of Internal Affairs are confirming shortlists for the executive positions now with interviews to start soon after. How can you do that and waste everyone's time and energy? This bloke who's hiring, if you're applying for a job in a business you know is not going to go ahead, if you're applying for a job right now as the chief financial officer of, of one aspect of four waters, 10 waters, 600 waters, whatever it is, what is it you're expecting? Are you signing up merely to collect the money and get, get a clause in the contract that'll pay you out when they bulldoze? Is that what you're looking for? You think, I oh, know, I have a job for a couple of weeks here and then they can pay me out and go on holiday. Is that, is that the sort of thing we're looking at at the moment? How do, you, how do you advertise a job that you know, if you're a recruitment firm, you know is not going to last? Or is it one of those jobs you think, oh, well, it might last in some way, shape or form post the transition? Is that what you're thinking? Weird old time, eh? Yeah, I think I might be qualified for one of those jobs. I'm, I am really good at doing nothing. Um, might be a bit overqualified, actually. But uh, perhaps I should be putting my, um, my hand up. I wonder if you can do it at the same time as another job. The rewrap. Anyway, I'm sure they'll sort that out and make changes and it'll never happen again until the next election. Um, in Iceland, meanwhile, uh, uh, speaking of people who aren't doing anything, uh, women aren't doing anything today. I note in Finland this morning, not Finland, Iceland as you were, uh, the women are on strike. Tens of thousands of women all across the country, including indeed the Prime Minister. It's a one-day strike. Uh, the protest is over ongoing gender pay gaps and gender-based violence. It's Women's Day Off. Now, here's the interesting thing about the whole debate. It's the seventh time they've done it thus indicating perhaps they're not, and when the Prime Minister's involved, perhaps the Prime Minister's not being that effective. Close to 90% of Iceland's female population on strike for the first time back in October of 1975. The original idea was prompted uh, by Iceland's parliament, and they then went and passed a law guaranteeing equal pay the following year. Never happened, of course, obviously. So today's demonstration is being planned uh, by about 40 organisations. So you ask yourself... How long do you keep going on strike for before you realise nothing's happening? Hey, have they got a little bit closer every time, maybe? Maybe they got a little bit closer every time. I mean, women deserve a day off. Give them, give them the rest of the year off, I say. I mean, well, actually, who's going to run anything? Hang on, I think you haven't thought this through. But, um, yeah, that's why I, I'm not in charge. The rewrap. Once all the ice melts, will Iceland still be called Iceland? Just a random thought, because uh, obviously, you know, the end of the world is uh, progressing fairly rapidly at the moment. Uh, how much does this ongoing uh, climate crisis cost? Another one of these wacky surveys, climate crisis has a price. They put a price on climate and the crisis. Damages from the global climate crisis have racked up costs amounting to $391 million per day. Over the past two decades, you think that's an astonishing number. Averaged over $143 billion per year between 2000 and 2019. How did they come to this, you ask yourself? Well, these are very good questions. And I was doing some reading over the weekend about studies in general, and you need to be deeply, deeply suspicious of most studies because they're generally pumped by people who've got a message to send you. So anyway, they looked, in, and, and I'll give you the clue to this one, they looked into wildfires, heat waves, and droughts, and you think, oh yeah, fair enough. This is all published in the Nature of Communications, Journal of Nature of Communications. Look up journals. Look up the medical this and the medical that and the university of this and that. What you'll find is many of these studies are published in publications that aren't real, and they come out of Pakistan. 
There's a lot of publications in Pakistan. So next time you see a survey that you know talks about the, the, the journal of, have a look at where that journal is based and you'll find probably it's in Pakistan. 63% of the cost, this $391 million, is due to human life loss. So there's your first problem. So the first problem is what's a human life valued at? And so depending on what you value that at depends on your whole number and your whole study. So the years the highest amount of losses were occurring was 2008, 2003, 2010. So what happened in 2008? Oh, tropical cyclone Nargis. Remember Nargis struck Myanmar? That claimed 80,000 lives. So all of a sudden, if you're putting millions and millions and millions of dollars on each individual life, times it up by 80,000, suddenly, bingo, you've got $391 million a day for a climate crisis. Uh, crisis. Believe it or not. Well, I'm, what's the point that Mike's making there? Because if the point is that this is very serious and when hundreds of thousands of people die... Uh, it causes uh, millions of dollars of and billions of dollars of and trillions of dollars of havoc to the economy. Then yes, that's bad. I don't quite understand what his point was. The rewrap. Maybe I missed something. I often miss things. Uh, however, I, I, one thing I haven't missed is that he's a bit sceptical about EVs. We have a slightly strange but nevertheless interesting piece of work done by Radio New Zealand. Look it up and read it. They seem perplexed as to why it is the car companies are spending way more money on advertising their gas guzzlers, their phrase not mine, uh, as opposed to their EVs. Now, part of the problem might be that Radio New Zealand doesn't deal with advertising, so therefore it's all a bit of a mystery to them. So here's how it works. You advertise for a variety of reasons, right? One of them is market awareness for cars. Uh, you take your most popular model. You make sure the punter has it in mind when it comes to making a purchase. You might also advertise a product you think could become popular or a model people might not be aware of. But the overarching idea is that the advertising leads to traction in the marketplace, i.e. you sell more cars. Now, the problem with EVs is they're not popular. Well, they weren't until they got subsidised by the taxpayer. And when you get free stuff from other people, isn't it amazing how you see things in a different light? Uh, they'll become unpopular again when the Nats drop the fee bait and you've got to pay full price. And what Radio New Zealand might be suggesting, or inferring, is that car companies should spend more money on advertising their EVs because it's the right thing to do. Sort of like light rail or buses is the right thing to do, except for the fact it clashes with the cold, hard reality of life where decisions are made on a practical basis, not a theoretical one. The simple truth of cars, and you may be aware I know a little bit about cars, is that people love engines. Not everyone, but lots of them. And as a result, they buy cars with engines. I talk to the car industry, and privately many of them will tell you what they've told me. They don't like EVs, they're not convinced they're the future, and there are still many, many hurdles to convincing the punter they are. Look at the biggest selling models in this country. They're all SUVs. They're not tiny cars. They're not environment savers. They are practical family vehicles that serve a practical purpose. I mean, some now are hybrids, but that's not a proper EV. That's a SOP. So people can save a little bit on gas and pretend they're environmentalists. And you advertise those because you know people like them. And if they like them, they will buy more of them. It's not a mystery. If EVs are to be the future, at some point... The artificiality will have to stop, the bandwagoning will have to stop, and people will have to decide all by themselves, this is for them. We are not there yet, or anywhere close. Although, uh, later in the show, Mike did have some news from Toyota that they're, they're, um, it seems like they're getting pretty close to a solid-state uh, EV battery, apparently is a, it's a kind of a golden goose you know, situation, that if they can sort that out... EVs, whoa. Anyway, I'm Glenn. 
Uh, I don't have an EV. Uh, I wouldn't mind one. But my car is still working at the moment, so I probably won't change one until it stops. Uh, and I'll drive it back to work tomorrow and do another one of these podcasts then. See you. The Rewrap. The Rewrap. For more from Newstalk ZB, listen live, on air or online and keep our shows with you wherever you go with our podcasts on iHeartRadio.